0: You are listening to the Family Worship Center podcast with Pastor Noah L. Nicholson. At FWC, our mission is to be the church where the love of God is demonstrated freely by me. If you like more information about our church, visit our website at www.fwc-chicago.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. All together. Wonderful to me. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise. Hallelujah. Somebody tell him hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank God for all of you that are here on tonight. Thank God for everybody who watches on Facebook. We appreciate you uh, who are tuned in and those who will look at it later as the week goes on. We appreciate you for doing that. We appreciate you for wanting to get and gain the knowledge of the word of the Lord. And so we take time out of our schedules to do that. Uh, this is kind of bright up here. Um, I don't know where Rebecca went. Okay, she's, she's, somebody's turning it down. You just Yeah, turn the stage down. Son. There you go. All right, so you got your Bibles? Are you ready? Hopefully we're going to end this tonight. We've been on it for a little bit. Uh, we're going to end this tonight. I'm, I'm thankful to, uh, Re- Rebecca Mickens, Evangelist Mickens preaching for us on Sunday. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, on Friday, I was preaching for Bishop Harrison there, uh, at Grace, at Grace, Apples- at Grace, uh, Church in, in, um, uh, Indianapolis. And then Sunday, I was preaching for Bishop, uh, Donald Golders Church there in, in Indianapolis. And so I thank God for her. Standing in my stead for being 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 here today, so um, I don't usually like to preach on Sundays, but sometimes, I, most of the times I tell people no, I can't come, no, I can't come, no, I can't come, no, I can't come, but um, this time I did go, and so you can't you can't tell them no forever. You have to uh, you have to go sometimes, especially when it's something special. That, that people are having. Otherwise, they think you don't like them and don't want to come or something. That's not the case. Pastors understand that pastors don't like to be gone on Sunday morning, uh, but the Lord bless us and we thank God for the opportunity to share the gospel in other places. Amen? Amen. That's what he calls us to do is to preach his word. Amen. To preach his word, to live his word, and his word is wonderful. Don't you love the word of God? Amen. Without the word of God, I'd be a basket case. Without the word of God, I probably would have lost my mind a long time ago. But God's word holds things together and gives you peace. Not only does he just hold it together and give you peace, but he gives you joy in the midst of your storm. He gives you joy in whatever you go through. He gives you joy. All right, real quick. Let us let me jump to to just a... I don't have time to review, so I'm not going to try. Uh, I'll just do just a little bit because uh, I know we haven't had the slide for a minute. But that's not where I want to be. Uh, I'm going to wait. Let me go here. We'll start there and we'll move move on there. We talked about... That uh, the child of God, because we're dealing with wisdom and success, we're dealing with wisdom and, and, and understanding what the word of God actually does for us. So we said the child of God cannot fail unless they what? Unless they choose to fail. The child of God cannot fail unless they choose to fail. Now, that, that's important because it, builds you, it ought to build your faith to know that you cannot will not ultimately fail. It doesn't mean you won't have some failings doesn't mean you won't go through difficult things, but it means as a whole, it's simply impossible for you to fail because we said when you operate in the word of God, your success is necessary to protect the integrity of God's word. When we operate in the word of God, the success, our success is necessary, otherwise God's word would lose its in, his integrity. That means that God cannot promise us, all the promises of God are what? Yes and And amen. So God does not promise us what the victory his word will bring and then don't bring that victory. That means his word is not true. That means if if I could walk in his word and he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. If I walk in his word, that his word would not be true. And that's not good for God. And and it would it would destroy the integrity of God's word. It would destroy it. So you got to believe God's word. Somebody say, Lord, I believe your word. So our success is good for the reputation of God. I've told you this before. I remember a time I was praying about an issue, a problem I was having, and I went to, to church to pray all night. I was going to have an all-night prayer, and I set my chair up in the pulpit, and around 3 o'clock in the morning, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me. And the Spirit of the Lord basically said to me, I'm not convinced when you uh, pray a, a lot of hours. That's not, that doesn't convince me. I'm not convinced when you quote a lot of scriptures. God said, I'm moved and convinced when you believe the word. We, I'm moved and I'm convinced I, when you believe the word. So he says, He said to me, if you believed what I told you, then you would not be praying about it all night. What you would do is turn your prayer meeting into a praise party. So instead of, instead of praying about it all night, you would praise me all night for what I've already said I would do. So, so when God speaks his word, it's, it's to build our faith. We understand that our success is good for God. Our success is good for the reputation of God. He, he puts his name on us, so it's good for us. We must learn the principles by which the kingdom of God operates. Success is related to law. Say that, success is related to law. When we talk about law, we're talking about God's word. Success is related to law. Success and failure are both predictable. We can predict if we're going to fail. We can predict if we're going to succeed. We can predict if people are going to fail. We can just watch them. We can predict people that that's, going, that's not going to succeed. Why? Because God built into the word of God is success and failure. This is what he's saying to Joshua in Joshua 1.8. Joshua, if you observe to do what I've told you to do, he says, if you will do that, if you will meditate my word what? Day and night. You will meditate my word day and night. You will do what my word tells you to do. You know you're speaking it, you're muttering it, you're you're hearing it, you're reading it day and night. You do that day and night. When you do that, you will make your way prosperous and you will what? You would have good success. God's saying your success is built into you cooperating with my word. Your success is built in. However, if you don't do my word, failure is imminent. Failure would happen. So success and success leaves clues, and and God says, "If there's no way for you to follow My word, and uh and and it not it not grow you, it not grow you, it not grow you." Uh, so I say, "The word of God, the word of God is so awesome." God, God, God has protected His word. He says, "I watch over My word that I'll perform My word." And so we, we, have to, we have to walk in in that word. So success and failure are both predictable. Basically, it is will I perform or will I do the word of God? Then we talked about the different kinds of wealth. We talked about that uh, in Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18, the Bible says, God says, I will give you the power to what? To get wealth. He didn't say I'll give you wealth. He said I'll give you the power to get the wealth. Sometimes what church people do, we, we're waiting on God to do something for us. We're waiting on God to send checks in the mail. We, we we confess that large checks in the mail. We don't confess large checks in the mail because we just believe that the money's gonna miraculously float out of heaven and float into our mailboxes. It means we understand that God's going to give us wisdom, knowledge, and uh, things we can do, businesses, ideas. I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. I'm going to give you the power to prosper. So, so we understand that he's going to give us some things cognitively, mentally, things that we can do that we can increase, that we can prosper. In other words, we don't think we're going to prosper without working. We don't think that. We know we're going to work for it. We don't believe we're going to sit around and quote scripture and just sit around and do nothing and all of a sudden, we're going to be successful because that would be a violation of God's word. If he did that, he would be violating his word, and he's never going to do that. He t- work is a part of the concept and the principle of God. What's the first thing he told man to do when he created him? Work. Work. That's the first thing he gives him. That's his first assignment. You're going to have to work and keep the gar- garden. You, you are created to work and to produce you are created to work and to produce. I am creating everything with the seed in itself, but you're going to have to keep planting the seed and, and working the garden and working and producing and, and when you do that, it is going to bring you wealth. It is going to bring you wealth. Let me stop for a minute. Anybody have any questions about anything before I go on? Because like, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead about anything. I like to get questions. Yes, sir. Of displacement, oh. day and night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear. I hear what you're saying. We we have His Word. We are following His Word. His Word is displacing what we have in us. It's reeducating us. It's 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 it, we our minds have to be reeducated. He said you're, we're transformed how by the Lord of our manner. so the law of displacement we talked about. You know, if you take this bottle, take the top off, and I stick this, this is almost full and I stick it under a running faucet, as the water runs into this bottle, eventually what's in the bottle will become displaced. What's in the bottle will become displaced and the new water would be in. That has to happen to us. That's, this is why he said meditate my word how often? Meditate it day and night. Why? Because that is how it's going to displace your old thoughts. See, when our relationship with God, our relationship with God is very different from anybody else's. Every, everybody's relationship with God has uniqueness because we really view God and we express him based on our individual experiences and our individual knowledge. And so there are some things that, that want this person here has to unlearn and learn. There's some things this person has to learn. Then we come to God with our own experiences. So when we, go, when we go to school, we do what we call in theology, we do black theology, liberation theology, feminist or women theology. We, we, and, and that kind of theology is saying, let's look at God, but let's look at him from the viewpoint of where we are in our lives. And that, that's significant. We have to do that. But we don't just do that. We don't just do theology that way. We do divinity, we, you know, we, 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 we do divinity by also looking at God as to what God says about himself. Both those things have to happen. But this is the thing, when you have certain experiences in your life, that can make it difficult for you to release faith in God. Certain experiences, because when God speaks a word into you, when he's, he's not really speaking it into your mind, you a spirit being, he's speaking it to your spirit, so God can give you pure revelation. When he speaks that pure revelation into you, you could be sitting in church, and God will speak pure revelation into your spirit through the word of God. What happens is that now in your spirit, it has to upload it to your mind. When it uploads it into your mind, all of a sudden, all of your, your experiences, your memory, your cognitive, all that begins to mix. You have to process the pure revelation that you got through all the previous knowledge and past experiences that you have, and that's sometimes what makes it difficult to release faith because you have certain experiences, and those experiences have colored your view of God. It, that's, that's like saying when a person comes into the church, that's why we we don't expect everybody to act like everybody else because their experience is not going to allow them to receive the word the way you receive the word that, because... They got to process it through a lot of stuff. You came up in a good home, you saw a good family and all that stuff. If they came up on the street and they lived a very difficult life, they they saw prostitution, they saw drugs, they saw killing, they saw all this stuff their whole life. And now you want to tell them God is good. God is good, not from where I'm coming from. See, where I'm coming from, God doesn't look good at all. And I don't see a good God at all. I see innocent people getting raped. I see innocent children getting shot. Now, if you want to go to the north side and tell them God is good, they probably can receive it better because they have lived nice lives. They don't see crime all the time. They don't see that. And so when you say God is good, they'll be like, yes, he's good. But when you come, when you come from a whole different experience and then we say God is good, he's worthy to be praised. The, the, the concept of your old mindset, and your old concept has to say, I'm not sure. I don't know. So, so, the, so that means the process of the word is going to be different in that individual because they're processing it with an old mind. That's why the mind has to be renewed. The mind, the old stuff has to be displaced. How does the devil make you not believe God's word, faith in God's word? He injects fear from your past experiences. Fear from what you felt like God didn't do the last time. Look at the Hebrew boys for just a minute. We talked about them before. They have this spiraling down of what God can do for them. God, please don't let Babylonians take us over. Babylonians took them over. God, please don't let the Babylonians destroy your temple. It is your temple, Lord. It is your namesake. It is your temple. They destroyed the temple. Lord, please don't let them take us into captivity. Father, please, we don't want to be taken to captivity. They went to captivity. God, please don't allow them to change our names. We want our godly names, and they changed their name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, I'm going to make you unique, God, please don't let them take our ability to father children and our posterity. Oh, Father, we praise you. We're worshiping you. Please don't let that happen to us. And he castrated them. So now they're coming all the way to the fiery furnace. I'm going to put you in fire. It, this fire is so hot it can melt gold. I'm heating it up seven times more than others. And here these guys are with these negative experiences of their prayers not being answered. Now I'm saying, Father, Nebuchadnezzar, we ain't careful to answer you. We know God can deliver us out of your hand. If if he don't save us from the fire, he's still going to deliver us out of your hand, and we are not going to bow. Now, see, that's a faith. That is a renewed mind because that mind is not allowing what seems to be past failings on God's part to reduce my faith that I have in him, in his ability to do and to deliver me from what I'm in right now. Satan wants you to look at your old failings and say, "God, ain't, God can't do this." So the renewing of the mind is constantly putting God's word in there, which changes the perception. So when God gives you a word in your spirit, you have word in your mind that when the word comes into your into your mind, there is word in there to work with to believe and to grasp the faith that what God spoke is going to come to pass. That's why you got to meditate it. How often? So, he got to meditate a day and night. So, when he, when he releases that, the, 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 that, that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about being double-minded. Because when we talk about wisdom, he said, if you don't have it, you're going to ask God for it. But you can't be double-minded when you ask. So, that means the word has to be doing something in you even before you ask because you have to have the faith to believe that what I'm asking you for, I'm going to receive it. And how do you get that faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... Hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you hear the word of God? How else do you hear it? When you read it, when you read it, you're hearing the word. When you read the Bible, you're hearing the word. The Lord said, put the word on the doorpost of the house. Why why is it on the doorpost of the house? Every time you come in, you do what? You read it. Hang it around their necks. What is it saying? You're wearing it and you're reading it. You're wearing it and you're reading it. I, I, I listened to Rebecca's message Sunday and she was saying how the Bible never says read the Bible. The Bible never says read the Bible. Well, the, 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 the reason why, why do you think the Bible never says read the Bible? That, that the Bible never says read the word of God. We say read it all the time, but you don't see that in scripture. Why, why do you think somebody just, not Rebecca, but somebody else. Why do you think that, that's, that, that's like that? Because you can read it and forget what you read, not comprehending it. So, so the, the Bible never says read the Bible, but it is inferred that you read it because he's saying write it where? On the doorpost of the house. Well, this is, this is one of the reasons why it's not in there. First of all, God's not going to give you a command to do something to something that does not exist. God's not going to give you a command to read something that doesn't exist. So, the Bible doesn't exist. What exists is the writings of Moses or the scriptures. Well, who has those writings? Who has those writings? Who has uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, 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 the Torah? Who has that? Well, who has it, though? The priests. Do the people have it? No. The people don't have the, the Bible to read. They don't have the scrolls. Moses writes the scrolls, the priests have the scrolls, and they read the scrolls to the people. So that's why you get in Ezra and you see them standing there for hours reading the Bible. When we come to church, we don't do that because we have a Bible. When we come to church, we spend the time giving sense to the Word of God, not reading it. Because we, we, you have it in your hand, you can read it. But, but so they don't have a Bible to read, so there cannot be a command in the Bible to say, read the Bible. Why it doesn't exist. There's no Bible to command them to read. So when you get all the way, go through history, the, the, uh, only the biblical priesthood have access to those scrolls, and then sometimes they copy them. Some might say scribes. We talk about the scribes and the Pharisees. One of the jobs of the scribes is to copy the scrolls. So when you get to the New Testament, there is no New Testament Bible. All you have is the Old Testament writings. But nobody has them, only the priest, and they're in Hebrew, and they're uh, not even understandable by the uh, Hebrews and the people who live in the era and the time because they don't know Hebrew. They speak what? Greek. They speak Greek. Greek. So if they speak Greek, the first thing that has to happen is the scrolls, the old scrolls, had to be translated from Hebrew into Greek so even that the people living now, living then can read it or the priests can read it. So that's what we call the Septuagint. Somebody say the Septuagint. So now you have the Septuagint that has translated the Old Testament into, into Greek so that now all the Greek-speaking people can read it, which includes all the, the church age during the time of Jesus Christ. They can read it, but still, no one has it except the Who? Priests and the Pharisees. No one have it but the priests and the Pharisees. So how can God command you to read the Bible? He can't, he can't put a command to give you a command. Something you can't do. It doesn't exist. So when you get into the New Testament, the New Testament, Matthew is writing. Mark is writing. Paul is writing. But they're just writing those letters. They're just writing those scriptures. So still, nobody has them. So you can't read them because no one has them. Who has those letters? Eventually, the apostles have them, and, and then there are people, scribes, who begin to copy them. And so through history, that's how the Bible is preserved because the scribes have copied them. And now in the Catholic Church with this universal church, they have those scrolls. They're reading those scrolls to the people. They're telling the people what the Bible says and what the Bible means. And, and that's why we have so much happening in the, in the church with worshiping angels or worshiping saints and paying money for our sins and indulgences and, and the pope having power over and all this stuff. Why? Don't nobody have a Bible to read so that command can't be there because there is no Bible to read. Only people have access to these scrolls are who? The priests. So now this ain't God's fault. It's, it's man's fault because we just a little slow. So here we are. Jesus dies. 200 years. There's no Bible. 300 years. There's no Bible. They're reading the, the writings of Paul and them, the scrolls. They have a few scrolls that the priests have, and they read them. 500 years, there's no Bible. 1,000 years, there's no Bible. 1,200 years, there's no Bible. So it can't be a command to tell you to read what don't exist. So now, 1,500 years. Somebody say 1,500 years. So in the 1400s is when Gutenberg invented the press. When he invented the press, now there is a way to proliferate writings and, and teachings. and see, because books and scrolls was only in the hands of the elite. So even the elite was the only ones that had real educations. Once the printing press was printed, now the common people begin to be able to read materials and read documents and their education began to grow, which created the middle class Because who used to be very poor because we were ignorant didn't have any knowledge. Now that this press has been invented and materials are being proliferated, including the Bible, now we're reading the Bible. So in the 1400s the press was invented. For, so, so then early 1500s King James commissions Men, 40 scholars to translate the Bible from from the scrolls from Greek and Hebrew into what? English. Y'all with me? Now, we're 1,500 years from Christ. There has been no Bible except the scrolls that the priests are reading. The people don't have a Bible. So now 1,500 years has happened, and now King James, Press, the press has been invented in the 1400s, 1500 King James does this. Now in the late 1500s, this is when now Bibles are being proliferated to people, to everybody. now people are reading the Bible. Now they're reading, not just the Bible, but they're reading all kind of other material too that they never had access to. As they read the Bible, they discover a lot of the things that the Catholic Church told us to do, the Bible doesn't tell us to do those things. This is when you now have the rise of Martin Luther and the rise of Calvin, which is the reformers, which he hangs his 95 theses on the, on the wall of the church, on the doors of the church, and the big reformation breaking away from the Catholic church. Why? Because folk got the Bible for themselves, and their minds are being renewed. Now that they can read the word, their minds are being renewed. When your mind is renewed, you, su- listen, God's word says, my word brings success. It, it is go- because it's going to elevate your thinking. It's going to elevate your cognition. Your wisdom is going to grow. So what happens? 1500. Uh, 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 you get to the 1600s. What happens in the 1700s? It's a history lesson. It's Bible class. It's their wisdom. Somebody say it's their wisdom. In the 1700s. When was America founded? Oh. Who said that? 17th. Come on, y'all, now. Facebook people, they know this stuff. They just, they just being shot. 1776, America's Founded. Look at, now, look at this. Look at this. Look at what's happening as people have revelation of God's word. Look at how it's transforming the world because now it's out of the hands of just the priests, the few, and now the Bible is in the hands of the many, and the many are saying, hold on a second. We need to be free. We need to be free to worship and to be the people that God would have us be. And so now you have the founding of America in 1776, just a few hundred years after the Bible was put together, the canon of Scripture was put together, and they closed the canon of Scripture in, in the church and said that, that these are the books that are, are in the Bible that we believe are, are, can be trusted because bef- before they closed the canon of Scripture, there were, there were other books in the Bible. You get some Bibles where you have the books of the Apocrypha, intertestamental books that are in there. You can have books like... The Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary, you can have those kind of books. But those didn't make it into our canon of scripture because they were written hundreds of years after Jesus was dead. So in other words, Matthew, Mark and Luke and John and Paul, they walk with Christ. They wrote right there. It's fresh. It's integral. But when you get 200 years later and say this is the Gospel of Thomas, did Thomas write that? Not, not in this written 200 years after, after Jesus because Thomas has been long dead. So what this is, is people saying this is what Thomas said. So so, it, so it can't be trusted because it's just saying what, what Thomas said. So in the 1700s, now that we have the word, we have freedom, our minds have been revolutionized, we come and found this country on biblical principles because everybody's got a Bible. Everybody's reading the word. And as they read the word, their minds are being transformed. So this country was founded on um, biblical principles, and of course, once we found on biblical principles, we straight off those principles. So in, I don't know, is it that my, my history is failing me a little bit now? I think eighteen hundreds, in the eighteen hundreds, then the Civil War breaks out, right? In eighteen hundreds, in eighteen sixty-one, the Civil War breaks out. So in 1861 when the civil war breaks out and, and 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 there's the north and the south south is fighting because they got slaves and 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 uh, Abraham Lincoln signs the emancipation proclamation in 63 in 1863 and when he signs that he frees the slaves and now the slaves can fight in the battle so in, in 1865 the war was won by the north now all that's happening because of the proliferation of God's word so now You won't have it in the Bible where it says read it because it didn't exist until the 1500s. 1500 years after Jesus. That means that those, those letters that Paul wrote, the epistles of Paul and Corinthians and all that those were scrolls, copies of scrolls that the church had and the priest could read and now because of the press and now because of King James in putting it in, in English, now the press, it, it, now the church puts it together as a canon of scripture and now here the Bible comes together and now we can renew our minds. Look at somebody say, read it every day. So the Bible is inferring to read it because when you hear it, you're supposed to write it down. When you hear it in the, before, the, before they had Bibles in their hand, they were supposed to be writing down. So when Jesus comes in the temple, what does he do? When he comes, when he's born, he comes in and they hand him a scroll. And he opens the scroll, reads from Isaiah, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. When he finished reading it, what does he do? He rolls it back up and gives it back to them. He don't take it with him, So nobody has that. Are y'all with me? Now, you and I don't have an excuse because we have a completed Bible in front of us. Probably got one in every room. We got several of them. Now, that means if you don't have truth or word in you to transform your faith, thinking so that you're renewed that's not God's fault it's our fault because God made sure he watched over his word until it became proliferated through the whole world and now it's the best selling book in the world every single year in more languages than any other language God said I have watched over it to do that and in my word is my integrity and it builds success in you you cannot walk in my word and fail you cannot walk in my word and not have victory you cannot walk Walk in my word and not be more than a conqueror. You cannot walk in my word and the devil can back you up and run you away. You cannot walk in my word and have a spirit of fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear. I give you power, love, and sound man. Don't mean you won't be afraid, but you're going to overcome the fear every time. Because you walk in my word and my word has power. Somebody shout power. So that's what displacement is all about. It's putting that word in the place where fear was putting the word in the place where your experiences got you messed up. Because experience can really, can really haunt us a long time. And, 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 I, and I, what I'm saying, it's not like I'm off my subject. It's in my notes to say it. I'm just not sending it in the place that it was in my notes to say it. You know, our experiences mess us up. This is the thing. I have an experience, like, I, I, can't, I don't trust credit cards, bank cards. But that's because, it's not because they're not faithful. It's because of my own experience. So sometimes people don't trust God, not because he's not faithful, but because of their own experience. Something that happened in their own life. So, so when I, like credit cards for me, I have this experience when I was a little boy. My mom took, took me to the store, and she filled the basket with stuff that I wanted. I've been wanting for a long time. And I said, Mom, can I get it? She said, yes. And so our basket was full, and a lot of stuff in there was for me that, 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 that I wanted. We got to the counter, and she had a store card, and the store card would not go through. So we got all this big, long line behind us. The store car i had to be maybe seven, eight years old. Got this long line behind us. The store car didn't go through. I don't know why it didn't go through. I never asked. I just remember the feeling that I felt when all my basket of stuff got, had to get pushed to the side. My mom didn't have the money to, to just pull out her pocket. We had to walk out of the store, and the, all the line was back there looking at us, and we had to walk out of the store. That did something to me when I was a little boy. And it's still, it's still with me. That did something to me. What it, what it did is it makes me to whenever I go in a store, if I'm going to use a credit card or, or debit card, I always have the amount of money in my pocket that I'm going to spend. I always have it. So if I'm, if I'm spending $500 in a store, I have $500 in my pocket. If this card don't go through, I got $500. Now, it's not because cards don't work. You probably don't. Some of y'all probably don't even have cash in your pocket because you always use your but because of my own experience, I have trouble using the card and trusting it. Trusting it. This is what we do with God, because of our own experience in the past of whatever it is, it can cause you to have difficulty trusting His word and releasing faith in His word. So you got to be re-educated, renewed. So that means I got to use my card over and over and over again, and they keep working, and I keep working, keep working. And I say, okay. Maybe this thing is fixed now. I would not put money in, like, an ATM machine. they be like, just go to the ATM machine. No, I'm not putting my money in no ATM machine. Uh-uh. We're going to have a person take it out my hand and give me a receipt. We're not putting no ATM machine, no. We're not taking no pictures of no checks and stuff. Uh-uh. I'm going to the bank. I'm going to take your check and give it to you. You're going to give me a receipt for my check. Thank you very much. Now, that's just my old what? It's my old thinking. My old thinking has hindered me from being in a fast-moving, fast-paced world and from the advantages of not going to the bank but just take a picture to check. I do it sometime now. I do it sometime now. Just, but but, but, but so, so I'm running to the bank. And, and I'm taking my time and won't go to the ATM. I'm, I'm walking around with cash in my pocket so, so that I won't, so somebody could rob me and take my cash. I, I got cash in my pocket. I'm talking about cash. If I go on vacation and the room is $3,000, I got $3,000 in my pocket. Because if the room costs $3,000, I'm going to be there for a minute and, and, and I'm going to try to put it on the card. I, I know it's room in the card, but I'm going to have $3,000 in my pocket just in case. They say this car don't work. No problem. <laughs> but I'm hindered. So this is what God is saying. Sometimes our success is hindered in what he wants to do because we got these old mindsets. And sometimes we got God squished in a box of how we think he's going to operate based on how he operated in my family how I saw my parents believe God, how I saw other people believe God. So I've got God in a box and God said, get me out of that box. Don't think that your relationship with me is going to be like their relationship. Don't think I'm going to relate to you the way I relate to them. Listen, God created all of us because all of us are expressions of himself. He put his spirit in us. That means there is no way I can express all that God is. He's too big. He says, "No, you're in my image after my likeness, but you cannot express who I am. Only small portion of me can you express. I don't care how blessed you are, how gifted you are, how how holy you are, how, how, how anointed you are, how saved you are. You can only express a really small piece of God. So God is saying, I need all of you for the earth to be filled with the glory of God. That's why he wants his church, the ecclesia. Why? Because it takes what you know about God, 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 your experience with him, your experience with him. And it takes all these experiences when we come together and we begin to worship and give God praise. God is saying, now y'all are beginning to show my glory because my praise and worship is coming out of what he has done in my life, and who he is to me, but who he is to me, he may be something altogether different to you. To me, he's Jehovah Jireh, because I watched him provide over and over and over again. But to you, he's Jehovah Shema, because every time you was in trouble, you looked around and God was there. God was there. To you, he's Jehovah Rafika, because you were sick and had cancer, and they said you couldn't get healed, but God stepped in and healed your body. So when you Lift your hands up. You express him as a healer in a way I can never express him as a healer like that. Because I don't have that experience. I haven't walked with him through the valley of that death. I've walked with him through some valleys, but not that one. So when you get your cancer or death experience, and other people get their broken marriage experience, and other people get their messed up broken life experience, and other people get their wealth experience where God just everything they touch turn to gold and they get rich. And they take that experience. And we put them together and start showing the glory of God. So the only way I can have greater experiences is, is I got to renew my mind. The only way I can free myself from the bondage of being afraid to use my credit cards or trust them is I have to free my mind. God is saying, you gotta free your mind of whatever yesterday's issue was because I got something better for you. Somebody say, better, better, better. So he's got he's got he's got the conditions and things that he's saying, when you open yourself to me, I'm gonna give you a wisdom. To do what you don't think you can do. To have what you don't think you can have. Spiritual wealth, soul wealth, physical wealth, social wealth. I would that you prosper and be in health even as your... Somebody say, Lord, let my soul prosper. See, the prosperity of your soul. Somebody say, my soul has to prosper. But what is the soulish realm of you? Think about that. He didn't say as your spirit prospers. He didn't say as your body prospers. I would that you be in health and prosper even as your... So what is the soulless realm of you? It is your will. It is your intellect. It is your cognitive thinking. It is your emotional self. God is saying, I want to give you this, but your emotional self can't handle it. I need you to grow emotionally. See, you, you want a husband, you want a wife or whatever, God is saying, I want to give it to you, but emotionally you, you can't handle it. See, 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 now, now she's how old is she? Seven. She's seven. Now I could have a a, a Mercedes Benz that I want to give to her but it would not be wise for me to do that because emotionally, cognitively, she can't handle that. So I want to prosper her by giving her this Mercedes Benz, but if she gets in that thing, she's going to kill all of them. Because she's just not ready for that level of a blessing. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health. How? As you grow up your soul, as you grow up your intellect. As you grow up, your emotional self, I could give you the, the position on your job, but emotionally you can't handle what's getting ready to happen when I give you the position. Emotionally, you can't handle it. They're going to have you running home crying every day because you ain't grew up in your emotions yet. They ain't talking about me on this job. I just can't handle this. I, I don't know why they lying on me like this. I don't know why they don't like me like You ain't ready. You ain't ready. You ain't ready. He said, now when you emotionally grow up, I can give you the management position. When you emotionally and psychologically and, and grow up in your intellect and in your soulish realm. Somebody say the will. Say it again. Say the will. See, see the, the, the way God operates with us, he's totally sovereign. But he is highly influenced by the human will. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. But he's influenced by the human will because he gave your will sovereignty. He he gave your will, you the ability to make some choices. So that means by prayer and faith and our activity, we have an ability to move God, because He has subjected Himself to our human will. What do you mean, preacher? God can command something, and because He commands it in in, in His passive will, He said, "I command you, thou shalt not steal." But then when somebody go to steal, does he stop them? No, because he says, but I have allowed your, the influence of your human will to influence what I'm doing. So I'm going to let you go ahead and steal that if that's what you want to do. I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and, 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 and not praise me if you don't want to praise me. I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and worship not worship me if you don't worship me. Matter of fact, if you want to shake your fist in my face, well, you know what I'm going to do? Because I so respect your will. I'm going to empower you to ball your fists up, to breathe my air, to shake it in my face. What a God we serve. Satan, I will empower you to have the ability to go down to the earth that I created, speak to the human beings that I made to take your place in worship and let you corrupt them. Because you can't do it if I don't give you the power to do it. So Satan... Thinks he's on his own, but he really works for God. Because God says, I'm good. I'm all good. When something negative got to happen, what does he do? Go on over there and say, that's what you like to do. I don't want to hurt my people. I want to bless my people. So when somebody's going to hurt them, he lets Satan go, go ahead and buffet Paul. Go ahead. Go ahead buffet him. Job, go ahead. Go ahead. Do, do, do what you do because I'm not going to do that to my, to, to my Job. I love Job. I don't do things like that. I'm a God. But that's what you do. You do that. And you corrupted yourself. I didn't corrupt you. I made you perfect. You corrupted yourself. There was no devil to corrupt you. You are the devil. You corrupted yourself. And I let you corrupt yourself. Why? Because I created you with will too and I respect the will that I created. And I don't make anybody do anything. That's, he's so wonderful. Say that. God is so wonderful. So God is saying, if you walk in my word, it'll bring success. it bring physical wealth, social, so, social wealth, your friends, your family, relationship, uh, uh, influential wealth. That's, that's money and stuff like that. You know, um, um, God wants us to be able to influence the world. He wants us to be able to touch the world. There's no philanthropic thing can happen if we are broke, poor, busted, and disgusted. We can't help nobody. So God says, listen, I won't, I'm, I'm going to run my finances through you, too, so that the world can be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to have money. Some people, he's using you in a different kind of a way. He, he's using you with a different set of gift sets, a different set of skill sets. Uh, uh, and, and really what's supposed to happen is the person with money is supposed to help you out. God did not give you the gift of healing to lay hands on yourself to heal yourself. God didn't give you the gift of prophecy to prophesy just to yourself. He gave you a gift so you can speak over the lives of others and encourage and edify and lift other people. This is why God so many doing He didn't give you the money you have just to, just to have a great life for yourself. He gave it to you to, to be a blessing to other people. He didn't give you the mind you have. He didn't give you the ability to sing so you can get in the shower and listen to yourself echo off the walls of the shower. Ooh. That's not why he gave you the gift. He gave you the gift to bless others. Somebody say others. So everything he gave us, he gave us to bless others. So he wants to give us this wealth. He wants us to be influential, social. He wants to bless us. So you were designed and created by God to succeed. Somebody say, I will succeed. God created nothing to fail. Everything he created, he created it to succeed. God's image is on you, and because his image is on you, he says you won't fail. I I back up. Everything that I that I put my image on, I back it up. I said it will work. That's why he tells he's telling Satan that Job is not going to curse me. He's not going to do that. My image is on him, and I don't care what you do to him, he's still going to bless. He's still going to praise. He's still going to worship. And so Satan goes to work on him. Sometimes God allows that. Some say He allows that. You do know that sometimes the greatest deliverance is when you understand grasp that you're not going to be delivered. Sometimes the greatest deliverance is when you grasp and understand that you're not going to be delivered. We don't like that. This is what's happening in Paul. He's praying three times that this thing gets moved from him. Three times as it go to it. Uh, where is that at? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's saying, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool for I... Verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given unto me, a thorn in the flesh, where did it come from? Oh, y'all didn't turn to it. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So, Satan brought it to him. God sent it. Satan brought it. Because that's what he does. For this thing, I've assault the Lord three times. I pray for other people's healing, but I can't get mine. We don't know what the thorn was. We don't know what it was. There are people who have tremendous ministries of healing, but somebody in their house is sick and they can't get them healed. There are people who have all kinds of different things and, and, and power and things. I remember one time Bishop Rachel was telling me, he was he was trying to get this building removed and just couldn't get it removed. Just couldn't get it removed. And Bishop Brazier had a lot of power in our town. He could just say something and it would happen. But now this thing he wanted to happen just wouldn't happen. It just couldn't get it. It eventually did eventually. But there are times when this this is what Paul was saying. He said, "I, I saw the Lord three times to do this." I'm in verse nine, and He said unto me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Then, now, this is, this, is, this is what Paul then says. So then I will gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches. There is no greater deliverance of power that, than that. Than when God can say, this is what you're going to go through. And you say, amen. You say, so let it be. You say, this will not stop me from doing what you call me to do. This will not stop me from being what you called me to be. That's power. That's what they're saying to Nebuchadnezzar. You can heat it up. You can do whatever you want to do to it, but it's not going to stop us from serving God. It's not going to stop us from bowing to our God and our God alone. We're not going to bow to your God. And so you can threaten us. You can do whatever you want. And this, was, this is where God gets the glory out of our lives, when, he, when, when we can just suck it up and just, you know, whatever whatever it is that the enemy tries to throw at you, you still giving God the glory over it. Whatever he does, every time he tries to do something, you just keep giving God the glory over it. And God gets glory from that. So then there are times when God is, he says, I'm going to deliver you. Now, the enemy will try to show you so much fear of your present circumstances that you won't release faith in the word that he's going to deliver you. I'm going to, you share without favor, recover all. So he'll speak that word to you. And then you'll look at the, the pressure of your circumstances, of your present, and won't release faith in the word that he says. Because it's like, how can this time tomorrow everything be wonderful when today everything is so messed up? And, Joshua, and, and, and Elijah is saying, by this time tomorrow, everything is going to be wonderful. You're in abject poverty right now. You're so broke and poor right now, you're eating your children. That's how poor they were. That's how broke they were. When their child would die, they would boil their child and eat the child because there was no food. They were dying. And there was nothing. And the army had shut the city down, surrounded them, said y'all come out and we're gonna kill y'all. Y'all come out that y'all come out, you come out the walls of your city. So that way nothing can get into the city and nothing can get out. So they're dying. They have nothing. And Elijah comes up and says, By this time tomorrow, there gonna be so much food, y'all gonna be giving it away. There gonna be so much wealth and money and and, and stuff. And the man, the man said, This cannot be. What is he doing? My past experience. And my present circumstance, it impedes my ability to believe what God said so I can't release faith in what he said. Because my past experience and my present circumstance is so antithetical to what you're saying or this prophetic word or or this rhema word that I'm getting. It's so off that he said that ain't going to happen only way that can happen is God would have to make windows in heaven for something like that to happen. God, in other words, God would have to rain it out of heaven. He said, well, tomorrow it's going to happen. You ain't going to get none of it because you won't believe God. But tomorrow, about this time, it's going to come. And so the Bible says that, of course, he sent, he sent an ambushment to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the, the armies out there that thought they was hearing armies coming from everywhere. They, and see, In that day, armies traveled like cities. Because they had to bring all their food. They brought their wealth. They had all the wealth of the cities that they had conquered. They had all the food and the cattle and the lamb and everything to feed the army. You got to feed the army. So they carried all that stuff with them. They abandoned everything they had, the Bible says. And now we was just laying out there waiting to be picked up. And Israel just went out there and just was picking it all up, bringing it all in. And, and just what Elijah said, the enemy was gone. The threat that was threatening your life is gone. The thing you feared the greatest is gone. Not only is it gone, but it has left in its place the recovery of wealth, power, food, victory. And all you had to do is believe God and go get it. So faith has to be increased, and it is an increase by the word of God. By reading it, by hearing it, by muttering it, by speaking it, but you can't speak what you don't know. You got to put it in you. Somebody say, Lord, let me put it in me. All right, so we talked about that. Your resume. Y'all got me all wound up. All right, so success in the Hebrew it's a call. It means pr- prosper. It means to be prudent, and it means to be wise. So, becoming a person of value by defining your uniqueness—that's what—that's what we're doing. I think I want to skip some stuff. I want to—I to get down here real quick so we—we're well, in here. We're in. Let's see right here. No. No. Okay. Let's do this. Go. So, how do we get this thing? How do we get this wisdom? Number one, we ask God for it. Go to, go to James. Got to ask God. <clears throat> he says, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be what? Given to him, but let him ask how. In faith, nothing waver, for He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. Let, for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. See, you can't be double-minded. Somebody say double-minded. He said, double-minded individual is unstable in all his ways. Now, this is why we're we're displacing the old with the new, the word. We're we're transforming our mind by the renewing of it. We're transforming our circumstances by the renewing of our mind. Because because when God gives us the word, I I cannot allow it to get into this old mind. That's what makes me double-minded. He gives a fresh revelation, a fresh rhema. And then when it mixes with my old thinking, I become double-minded. And God says, you can't get nothing from me like that. One moment you're celebrating and worshiping me. The next moment you crying the blues. One moment you're saying, I got the victory. The next moment you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it. One moment you, you're celebrating and saying how, yes, God, thank you. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm and the next moment you back in the doldrums in the dump somewhere. God says, you, do you believe what I'm saying to you? Remember, I'm not convinced when you quote scriptures. I'm convinced when you believe them. I'm not convinced because you're praying all night. And and, I, don't, I, and I, I believe in all night prayer. It's fine. But God said, but when I speak something to you, you do better to be celebrating what I said than to keep asking for that thing again. To keep asking for it like that is is almost an indication that maybe you don't believe it. You should be celebrating me for giving it to you, thanking me again, reminding me what I said. You can remind me what I said. Now, God, you said this was going to happen. That's putting him in remembrance. He says, do that. Put me in remembrance of what I said I'm going to do. Lord, I'm just putting you in remembrance. In my case, I was just asking for it all over again. I said, no, no, put me in remembrance of what I said I'm going to do. So that's, that's, that's acceptable. You'll put me in remembrance. Secondly, we got to what? You got to study for it. You got to study. You want wisdom? Remember, knowledge is information. Knowledge is getting the information. Understanding is getting uh, uh, the comprehension. Understanding is the why, the what, the how sometimes. Understanding is why God is saying do something. Why is he saying, and that helps me to exercise wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of the knowledge and the understanding. You're applying the knowledge. You're walking in the, in the knowledge that you have, the understanding that you have. The God calls that wisdom. And he says there's no way for you to do that, and it don't bring you success. There's no way for you to walk in wisdom. And it don't bring you wealth. It don't bring you honor. It don't bring you success in your relationships, in your family, in your home. Remember, God did not create relationships to be a problem. He didn't. He didn't create relationships and work and, and, and marriage and children to be a problem. He created those things to work and to harmonize. He said, but the only way they'll do that is you walk in my word because there is the corruption of the fallen nature of man. It's imperative that you stay within the parameters and the confines of my word so that this works for you. So you have to, secondly, you have to study for the wisdom. 2 Timothy 2.15 says study in what? Study to show yourself approval. Work when God that need not be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing that means we're studying the Word of God. We're studying the Word of God. We're reading it every day. Somebody say every day. We're reading it every day. We're looking up things. We're, we're, we're reading commentaries. We're trying to grow our understanding of the Bible. We don't study. Somebody say study. It, you, know, you don't just study the Bible. You study everything. You study things around the Bible. You study the social, the content. What I just got through telling you, you don't get that from the Bible. Well, I just got to tell telling you the, the history of the Bible, of how the Bible was created, when the Bible became a collection of a book that you could read. That didn't come from the Bible. I didn't get that from the Bible. I got that from other study. That comes from just studying the history around the Bible. Why? It's, it'll help me understand the Bible if I understand the social context that something was written in. What is the social context? What's the political context? You don't get that just by reading the Bible how do you know what the political context was how do you know what the social context was what do you what about the socioeconomical economical context what's happening in the financial world around them what what is happening around Corinth that would then make Paul have to speak the things he speak that he didn't speak to other churches what kind of city was Corinth what kind of place was it you don't get that from the Bible you get that from studying history the Corinth was a seaport city Corinth was a, metropolis, a, 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 a metropolitan city where you had all kind of stuff coming in, sailors and all kind of stuff. So you had prostitution. You had all kind of weird stuff because of the nature of the city. And so uh, um, that, that helps you understand why is this in this text and not in another text. Somebody say study. We understand that God uses people to do certain things and he don't use everybody to do everything. I've said this before. Some people can't win certain people to Christ. They can't they, they, because they haven't studied enough to do it. They haven't studied enough to win certain people to Christ. Some people are too emotional. They're gonna go in the mayor's office and speaking in tongues. God gave me a word for you. Ba 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 ba. He God gave me. Thus, thus saith God unto you. Thus saith God unto you. And and the mayor, the president of the company, whatever. If you approach them that way, they're gonna tell the security, don't bring that person in anymore because something's wrong with them. You ever wonder why God did not call Peter to the Gentiles? He didn't call Peter to the Gentiles. Peter was prejudiced. How are you going to call Peter to the Gentiles? And he's prejudiced. Even though God shows him this sheet and shows him what I've cleaned, don't you call it uncommon or unclean, Peter's still struggling with that thing. He's eating with them, and, 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 and the people from Jerusalem coming down, Peter trying to sneak up from the table like, I, I, ain't, I shouldn't be eating with these folks. He's prejudiced. So, 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 so Peter's a fisherman. Somebody say fisherman. Peter's a fisherman, that's what he does. How are you going to witness to the people in Caesar's house, in, in, in the king's house? How are you going to witness that? So who does he do? He calls Paul. I'm going to let Paul be the apostle to the Gentiles. Why? He's not prejudiced. Peter learned what he learned from the Jewish, Jewish Levitical laws and that kind of thing. He he learned that from his parents. But Paul went to the school of Gamal. He went to the top school. That's like being in New York. He went to the top school of his day and graduated from there. He was educated. He understood. And he was not prejudiced. He could talk to the Gentiles and not make them become Jews. Some Christian people can't win the world. They too busy trying to make the world a church. You can't make the world a church. You got to witness to them first where they are you got to preach to them where they are. you got to win them where they are and bring them in and let God make them to the church. Look at somebody and say, you are not the Holy Spirit. You ain't the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. You love them. Create the atmosphere for them. Give them the truth of God's word. Get out of the way and let God work. That's how you, what you have to do with people. So Paul was educated. He could speak to the people that worked in the king's palace. He knew how to talk to people. He, he knew how to be, he said, I became all things to all people that I might win some. Some people are like, I'll never be like that. Uh-uh, that's like becoming like the world. Paul didn't have that mentality. He told Timothy, now look, Timothy, we understand we don't need to be circumcised. We're about to go in here and talk to these Jewish people. You need to cut that off. That's some serious stuff. Paul is the one that's saying there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. He's teaching them. You do not need to be circumcised. You do not need to become a Judaizer. But when he's getting ready to go in here and try to witness to these people, he told Timothy, he said, look, man, you coming in here, you're going to cut your sports skin off. Paul's a smart individual. And so that's why he's so effective for God. We study. Somebody say study. We study to get that. We study to get that. That's why we go to school. That's why we read the books. Because... Everything is not coming from the Bible. I mean, the Bible is given us salvation. It's given us all those things. But when we study history, it helps us to understand why is that, that gives us wisdom. That gives us understanding. Why did God say that? Why did God say that? Why did God say let the women be silent in the church? Let them have their head covered when they come into the church. Let them, let them learn at home. Let them, why did he say that? You don't just get that from the scripture you got to study their culture. you got to look at the, the Israelite culture because if you don't do that, you're going to interpret that in your time. You're going to interpret that in your, in, in your thinking and you're going to have a church where women got to have the hat on. You're going to have a whole generation of people, generations of people that say women cannot preach. Women cannot be pastors. Women cannot be bishops. For years, Because you're interpreting passages wrong. When God is telling you there is no male or female in Christ. But because you don't understand the time and the culture that is written, that it has to be there. Because if you're going to win the day that you in, y'all can't come to church without your head covered. Because when people come in, they're going to already write you off and say something's wrong with you. Because our whole world knows a woman should have her head covered. That's their time. Okay, y'all got me off the subject. I got to quit. I'm over time. Give God praise. Somebody say study. We got to study for it. You got to study for it. Get your offerings together. You got to study for it. You got uh, 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 to practice wisdom. Somebody say practice wisdom. Fourth thing is you got to practice it. What would be the wisest thing to do right now? It might feel strange for us to walk in wisdom. Sometimes it feels strange to do the right thing. Why? Because you're bringing your emotions under control. So I, mean, I don't feel like doing that. Well, it ain't about what you feel like. It's about what wisdom says you got to do. I don't feel like doing that. I, I don't feel like. The so Bible says idle words doesn't bring anything. He says profit comes to labor. Idle words bring nothing. Profit comes to labor. Idle words bring nothing. I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be this. When we're little, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this. I'm be this. And, and people say that stuff forever, but they never make any moves to be what they say they want to be. And pretty soon we get old, and as we get old, we say, well, I was going to be or whatever, but I, I never made any moves to be, so there's no profit there. He says, listen, you're practicing wisdom by saying, what is the wise thing for me to do here? Not what my feelings want to do. It's like you're on your job and the boss that made you mad and your feelings want to get him back or holler back or whatever. But wisdom says, you better not do that. You better apply knowledge here. You better apply knowledge. Marriages break up because people won't apply wisdom. They're applying their feelings and what they feel like. This is what I feel like I'm doing. Yeah, But you know what you feel like you're doing. God says, don't do that. But I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, well, if that's what you're going to do, this is not going to be successful because God's word is what brings success. So, if, if I'm not going to forgive you, it's not going to be successful. If I'm going to hold a grudge, it's not going to be successful. If you're going to hold a grudge, it's not going to be successful. You're going to keep letting the sun go down on your ramp, it's not going to be successful. You're going to keep not doing what God says financially, you're not going to be successful. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom. If you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I will make success happen to you. I'll add these things you. Why? Because your walking is succinct with seeking me. Seeking what's important. He said, what does it profit an individual to gain the whole world and what? Lose your whole soul. Don't lose yourself. He said, if you, listen, if you seek the things, the things are going to deteriorate. They're not going to last. If you seek me, I am eternal. And, and I give you eternal value, I give you eternal principles, I give you e- eternal wisdom, and, and that wisdom and, and principles will bring the, the other things into your life that you, that you need to have. Wisdom brings those things with it. Thank you, Facebook people, we always love you. Thank you for watching. You can give tonight, the number is 855-976-2911, 976 you can text to give to that number. Text the amount you want to give. And we'll be able to receive your offering with your name on it. Amen. Anybody that wants prayer, somebody's going to be up here to pray for you. Uh, the ushers are passing out tithing and offering envelopes. We thank God for every one of you that has pressed your way. Somebody say, I pressed my way. Thanks for listening to Family Worship Center Podcast with Pastor Noah L. Nicholson. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address fwc-chicago.org, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Join us next time for another edition of the Family Worship Center podcast.